0: Hello, my name is Ron Cowie, and I'm here to talk about how the kingdom of God will change our world. I'm sure you realize that we live in a very troubled world. And we're not surprised by that because the Lord Jesus Christ predicted that before he would return to the earth, there would be a time when there would be signs in the sun, the moon, the stars, and upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring but also a time that men's hearts would be failing them for fear and for looking after those things that are coming on the earth. And he went on to say that these things would be things that we would expect to see before he would come back to the earth in power and great glory. In the old Testament, the same time is spoken of in the book of Daniel chapter 12 and verse one as a time of trouble, such as never was. And I'm sure you'll agree with me that we're in a situation of great uncertainty and fear that would fit the predictions the Lord Jesus Christ made to us. There is of course worldwide, the spreading pandemic, the resulting unemployment and travel restrictions that come from that economic chaos and debt. Most countries getting very seriously into debt because of the economic downturn. Interestingly, at the same time, we're seeing the aggression of Russia and China in their world politics and the way that they're flexing their muscles against the other nations. Um, We have a worldwide refugee problem that's only being made worse by this pandemic. We're also going to see and already seeing some rapid changes to the way the nations align themselves and the alliances which are being tested. We still have with us the climate and pollution issues that have been around for some time and we have threats of war and nuclear destruction of course that have been with us since the days of the Cold War. with all of these things, Jesus went on to say this. He went on to say this. When you see these things begin to come to pass, and we notice that little comment, begin to come to pass. Perhaps we're not yet in the middle of the time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, but we are seeing these things begin to come to pass and we're told to look up where our redemption draws near. So he said to us, so likewise ye, when you see these things come to pass, know that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. And it's in that spirit we're going to talk tonight about what this kingdom of God actually is, because Jesus Christ was very much concerned with the kingdom of God. When you think about the gospel that Jesus taught, he said in Luke chapter 4 and verse 43, he said to his disciples, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore am I sent." On this occasion, he was actually had lots of people had come to him to be healed, but he moved on and left them. And he said, my role is to preach the kingdom of God, because that's what he was sent into the world to do. Mark says, introducing Jesus in his gospel, that he was preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. In the Lord's prayer that he gave in Matthew 6, he said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And again, we notice this focus on the kingdom of God through the teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ. He said to us, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So the disciples were being instructed to take interest in the kingdom of God, and he was preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And we want to talk about that gospel of the kingdom and what it might mean for us, because the kingdom of God is the core of the gospel that Jesus Christ taught. Now, God has a plan for our world. It's outlined for us very fittingly in Zechariah 14, verse 9. It says this, All the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. That's the ultimate end that God has in store for our world. To bring that about, there's going to be what we call a divine takeover of the world. In other words, God's going to take away all the governments that currently exist and replace them with a government of his own choosing and a government that will be ruled over by the Lord Jesus Christ. In Zephaniah chapter 3 it says, Therefore wait upon me, saith the Lord, until the day that I rise up to the prey, for my determination is to gather the nations, that I may assemble the kingdoms, to pour upon them mine indignation, even all my fierce anger. And we'll talk later on about why God would want to do that. The earth shall be devoured with the fire of my jealousy, and I will turn to the people, a pure language, that they may call upon the name of the Lord, To serve him with one consent. So we're left in no doubt that when Jesus talked about the gospel of the kingdom, it was about the coming time when God would take over the kingdoms of this world and replace it with a kingdom of his own choosing. Now, when the gospel was then went forth, we find that Jesus Christ was always appointed to be the future king. The words we find in Luke chapter 1, verse 31 to 33 are well known quoted by most Christians around Christmas because they celebrate the birth of Christ. But here was the announcing of that coming child to his mother Mary. And it was said to him that when she said to her that when she had this child called Jesus, he shall be great, shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. And while most Christians would radically understand that Jesus Christ was the Son of God coming into the world via Mary, very few would understand what it means when he shall receive the throne of his father David. That, of course, was the throne over the kingdom of Israel based in Jerusalem. It says he shall reign over the house of Jacob, which, of course, is the way the Bible describes the people of Israel. And he would do that forever. It would be an everlasting kingdom and there would be no limit to the extent of his kingdom. And it's interesting, in this verse about the birth of Jesus, we have so much information about what he came into the world to be, and that is the future king of the world. When the gospel was preached by the apostles, and these are the, the words in Acts 17, verse 31 of the apostle Paul, where he said this God has appointed a day in which he will judge the world or rule the world in righteousness by that man whom he raised from the dead, which of course was Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter one, the angels talking to the apostles said this same Jesus, which has taken up you from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. And we are left in no doubt because of over 200 references in the New Testament about the second coming of Christ, that he's coming back, that he might take up the role appointed to rule the world for his father, to take control of this world and to bring a new world government to pass. Peter said in Acts chapter 3, Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. For the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord, and he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution or restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets since the world began. So there is information about what God is going to do when Christ returns, And we find that in the prophets and for the balance of our address this evening, we're going to talk about what we find in the prophets about the kingdom of God. Well, the first thing we find is that there's going to be one worldwide government and one worldwide religion. When Christ returns, he's going to establish a kingdom. And we read these words about that kingdom in Isaiah chapter two. Many people will go and say, come ye, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. And there's that. Reference again to Jacob. He will teach us of his ways and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge amongst the nations and rebuke strong nations afar off. So there's going to be a worldwide rule based in Jerusalem. One king, one kingdom with a worldwide dominion. And there's going to be authority as the son of God can actually judge amongst the nations. We're going to talk about the changes that will happen when this kingdom comes to pass It will destroy in this mountain the face of the covering spread over all people and the vow that is spread over all nations and most people in the world today are subject to some form of delusion it might be believing in evolution it might be atheism it might be false religion it might be following postmodern ideas there are many delusions that are out there today where people have wrong concepts about God and about God's purpose and these things are to be removed by the education that will come when God's law goes forth from Jerusalem. It says in Jeremiah verse 3, verse 17, At that time they shall call Jerusalem the throne of the Lord. And there is that throne of David, again established in Jerusalem. All the nations shall be gathered unto it to the throne of the Lord to Jerusalem. And as a result, neither shall they walk any more after the imagination of their evil heart. So there's going to be a change of heart, a change of understanding when people come to be part of this kingdom of Christ based in Jerusalem. Other changes will come. We read in Psalm 46 about the time when God makes wars to cease under the ends of the earth. And he breaks all the weapons of war when God is exalted in the earth. And there's going to be a time where it says in Micah chapter four in verse four, neither shall they learn war anymore. That's going to be a very dramatic change. There won't be nations Standing off and threatening each other with the weapons that they have today. God's going to remove all the armaments of the nations and make a world filled with peace. This is the words of Micah 3 verse 4 verse 3 and 4. He shall judge among many people and shall rebuke strong nations afar off. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war any more. They shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree and none shall make them afraid for the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken it. That's a very clear passage about what God intends to do in this world to make nations be controlled to the extent that they will turn their resources to agriculture and to feeding the population and not making war as they do today. It's a very sad fact that if you took at the cost of one, aircraft carrier out you could vaccinate every child in the world to every known disease and yet we keep building aircraft carriers there's going to be willing worship this is talking about the worship that will be established in jerusalem where there will be one world religion that is the worship of god and of christ and people will make a pilgrimage to jerusalem to worship in that place we read there people shall say let us go speedily to pray before the lord and to seek the lord of hosts The enthusiasm is there. I will go also. Many people and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to pray before the Lord. These are the prophecies that Peter mentioned that the times of restoration spoken of in the prophets of Israel are the times we're waiting to happen in the earth. And we're going to see many changes that there will be one worldwide religion to come. There's going to be equity in the earth. Today, the world is an incredibly unequal place. Some people are fabulously wealthy. Other people are incredibly poor. In fact, the majority are incredibly poor. And there are so many refugees, so many people living in poverty, so many people starving. And yet, we read about the kingdom, that when Christ is ruling, he shall judge thy people with righteousness and thy poor with judgment. He shall judge the poor of the people. He shall save the children of the needy. And shall bake in pieces the oppressor. He's deliver the needy when he crieth, the poor also, and him that hath no helper. So there's going to be tremendous restoration of equity in the earth to make sure everybody is treated as they should be, and that nobody remains to be poor and needy and oppressed. There's going to be justice in the earth. I don't know about you, but I find there's a, a lot of injustice in the earth. Those who can afford expensive lawyers often get away with crime. Other people suffer great injustice. And of course, there are many places in the world where there is injustice from the political leaders. And there's injustice and corruption at high places right across the world. But we're told in the Bible that when the kingdom comes, evildoers shall be cut off. And those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Little while and you consider for the place of the wicked and it shall not be. There won't be the places that that pander to men's lusts. There won't be the places where people lose their lives and their wealth to gambling and things like that. The place of the wicked shall not be, but the meek shall inherit the earth and delight themselves in the abundance of peace. And aren't we looking for a time when there will be in the earth an abundance of peace and not the, the threats of war and chaos that we have sometimes around us? I want to talk for the rest of this particular address about the way that people will live in the kingdom when the world is taken over by the Lord Jesus Christ there's going to be a number of things that are going to dramatically change the way the world is constructed for example cities will be no more we told about the way that men will live in the kingdom of God first thing we notice is that there will be an increase in life expectancy an old man who doesn't fill out his days, the young man shall die at 100 years old. So if somebody was to die at 100 years when he would die young. Um, but it goes on to talk about the fact that there will be a complete change in the way that people live. And I want you to notice things, these things carefully. It says there that they shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be, and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. Now, that's a totally different way that the world is going to be organized than it is today. Today we have massive agricultural production, huge factories and supermarkets, and you know people that come and build our houses for us. There's going to be a return to people taking on self-sufficiency. Let me just talk about that a little further. Today we look out. This is how man chooses to live. We have these tremendous high-rise cities all over the world, Um, and you just wonder: is this the way that God intended man to live upon the beautiful world that He created? Does He intend us to live in, you know, 50, 60-storey high buildings where you have no room to actually get out and touch the good earth, and people are crammed together in these cities, and conditions are very difficult. Many of these cities are polluted. The top right hand corner there is a picture of new delhi Um, and of course we all know that the industrial pollution is everywhere around us and we just cannot have the world go on like this we know the the threatening things about possible climate change and other things affected by the pollution that we're currently producing and you think about the way many of us have to commute and i don't know where what it's like where you are, but where we are in Australia, some of the cities, we have two hours drive to get to work. Um, Here's a situation in Asia where, you know, is this the way that man should live? Is this how God designed the earth to be used? So things are going to change. It's going to go back to a rural lifestyle. Think about technology, how much technology has absorbed the, the lives of people today. And we ask ourselves, is that how God intended us to communicate? And, You know, this is just part of the product of the age in which we live. And these things are going to change. So some of the things that we can actually pick up from the Bible about life in the kingdom are these. There's going to be a resettlement of the mortal population. That is, people who are alive after Christ has conquered the world. There's going to be a resettlement of people into a rural lifestyle. God says there will be climatic changes that open up vast territories that are currently wasteland or deserts that will become places for rural living. Every family will have its own land inheritance. Men will work with nature, not plunder it. None of the modern technology or big industry that we have today. The earth will produce crops abundantly because the curse on the ground that came in Genesis chapter 3 will be reversed so this is the the summary of how people will live in the kingdom and how things are going to change today we have incredible deserts i'm speaking to you from australia and these are just some of the deserts we have in australia you can go for literally thousands of miles in australia across desert like this or that and there's just nothing there This they call the Nullarbor plain which means no trees and you can drive on that particular road in front of you there for 160 kilometers, no bends, no curves, no trees. And the amount of space in Australia, as one example is just incredible to see how much land is actually there if only there was water. But God has said there will be water. He said this in Isaiah 35 verse 6, waters will break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. And that's why I said there will be climatic and geographical changes that will actually make the desert to blossom. We read again in Isaiah 35, verse 7, the parched ground should become a pool, the thirsty land springs of water, the habitation of dragons. And we're told that the desert will blossom as the rose. So there's going to be a tremendous change in the, in the earth at its surface. Some time ago, I was privileged to be in Germany and visit a city called Gengenbach. And I want to just put before you, this as an example of the sort of living, because when we talk about people being resettled in the earth and going back to a rural lifestyle people imagine somehow we're going back to living in caves what we have here is a village in Germany that was in the 1600s and they've recreated this village to show you what life was like back at that that time in the world bear in mind this is prior to electricity this is prior to the time when we had big industries and factories and mass production This was a situation where there was fruitful areas. There was abundant supply of water and people were able to build their own homes and they built them from natural products and from things that could be restored by nature. So we have here an example of of the sort of life that could be very similar to what the kingdom is proposing when Christ returns. You see that the homes are made out of timber and they, in this case, are using thatched roofing. So um, this is something where you can actually see that the buildings are quite substantial and every man has his own farmyard and they are quite big buildings. You get up close, they're quite large. Um, there is, in some cases, there are stables included in, the, in parts of this building and there's also storage for some of their uh, machinery that they had. But it just gives you an idea when it says in the Bible that men shall build houses and inhabit them people are going to learn to go back to the skills of actually building these things for themselves rather than just calling the builders and the contractors to do these work for us and all of these things were built in the 16th 1600s everything made with timber or, or using straw materials everything made which was from in some cases natural stone but everything made of things which can be restored by nature So you're not going to have the great massive production that we see today. Just going on about the productivity. You know, the Bible talks about a time of productivity in the earth. It says this, that God's way might be known on the earth by saving health amongst the nations, that the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you shall judge the people righteously and govern the nations upon the earth. There's the clear understanding of what the kingdom of God is. It's a divine government upon the earth with the Lord Jesus Christ ruling on the throne of David. Jerusalem but look at the benefits to the earth then shall the earth yield her increase and God our God shall bless us God shall bless us and all the ends of the earth shall fear him and Amos adds to that the ploughman shall overtake the reaper which is a way of saying that there will be tremendous productivity in the earth so much so that they will be struggling to get the last crop in before the next one needs to be planted and you get this idea of tremendous productivity in the earth when God removes the curse and increases the yield of the earth. We read in Micah chapter four about a time when every man shall dwell under his own vine and fig tree. And people will go back to having their own gardens, their own vegetables, their own fruit trees, and growing the fruits in seasons so and know the benefit of working in harmony with the creator. And it's, it's, it's a terrific way to think about the sort of lifestyle that you can have without electricity and without the industrial production that we have today. The whole village was run by water power, and because there was abundant water supply, they had these great water wheels, and with that, they could do many things, including running sawmills and other things which were useful for the village. Everything was made out of renewables and timber, uh, and so you had this um, tremendous use of natural resources that could be restored. You know, the Bible said people shall learn the skills that have been lost to us because of the cities that we have. Men shall long enjoy the work of their own hands. And you see here some of the carving, some of the woodwork, some of the the natural products being used, um, having your own stock. Um, All of these things are just showing us what is possible when people are living under the conditions of the kingdom. And we won't have the industrial pollution. We won't have the threatened climate change. We won't have the tremendous problems that we create today by our industrialization and our commercialism. The furniture will be handmade and this is of course at this time they were largely Catholic so you see there's a cross there Um, but it was you know an idea that things were made by hand and they were not necessarily produced in some factory. The use of natural light um, along with natural products for lighting um, you can see it's not actually going back to living in caves. Things were handmade. There was plenty of time to make things and to make them well and to make them properly. Um, And perhaps not the modern kitchen that we're used to today. But when you consider that down through history, the bulk of people have lived in conditions like this and lived very well. No more cities polluting the environment. There shall be this tremendous time when people shall every man have his own vine and fig tree and his own parcel of ground and goes on to say that none shall make them afraid so there's going to be a time of prosperity in the earth a time when the whole world will be brought to understand to work in harmony with nature and with their God another change that will be a result of that is explained in the book of Isaiah it says there the work of righteousness shall be peace and the effect of righteousness quietness and assurance forever and talking about the kingdom of Christ of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David. And there's the link back to the promise made to Mary. Jesus, the son that will be born is going to reign upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it to establish it with judgment and justice from henceforth, even forever. And there is going to be a kingdom lasting for a thousand years. The zeal of the Lord of the hosts will perform this. So God has a very clear plan and a very clear purpose to change our world and to order it and one of the things that we're going to see is creation coming back in harmony with itself there won't be destruction there won't be killing there won't be the massive breeding of animals that we might have meat on our tables they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the lord as the waters cover the sea the wolf shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the kid and the cow and the bear shall feed and the young lion's Young ones shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. Now, these are beautiful words, pictures that we have about the beauties of the kingdom of God and the changes that are coming upon the earth. The kingdom, as we said, will last for a thousand years. Those who are Christ's servants will live and reign with him for a thousand years. They will administer the world. At the end of the thousand years, then there will be a handing back of that kingdom to the Father Himself, and God will be all and in all. And that's another topic for another day. The final state of the world is described in the book of Revelation. At the end of that thousand years, it says this, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor the sorrow, nor the sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And that's the end that God has in store for the world in the future when Christ returns to establish the kingdom to sit upon the throne of David and to rule the world from Jerusalem. Many changes are coming, dramatic changes that will change the way that men live in the world. We started in Luke 21. I want to end there because Jesus went on to say that men should take notice of the signs that would herald his coming and the introduction of the kingdom of God upon the earth. He went on to say this, take heed to yourselves Lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting, that is indulgence and drunkenness and the cares of this life. And so that day come upon you unawares. Watch you therefore and pray always that you might be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the son of man. And the invitation of Jesus here is that we should be ready for his coming, watching for his coming and to participate in that glorious kingdom that he's going to bring upon the earth. The invitation is there and we appeal to you to look into your bible follow these things through and to be part of that future when christ comes to rule in the kingdom of god to rule upon the earth and to bring all these wonderful changes that the prophets of israel have prophesied we thank you for your attention and we hope that we'll hear from you sometime